So in this episode of How to Avoid Fasting Like a Baby, we are going to talk about how no one wants to hear about your self-inflicted suffering and why you shouldn't be telling them. We'll also discuss ways uh, that our affluent society has given us opportunities for asceticism and fasting. So join us as we understand why abstinence is good for the soul and why you should use some form to help you build virtues. Before we get to that, we are going to discuss today's handshake, which, uh, interestingly enough, is rising before the rest of your family. Now, the point here is to get up early, not just for getting up early's sake, but in order to pray, to prepare yourself for the day and for the trials and stresses that it's going to bring, to form that intention to offer all the acts and sacrifices of your day to God and to serve your family to the best of your ability. Um, and when your wife and children wake up, you're ready to greet them, you're ready for the day, you've prepared yourself spiritually and mentally, uh, and you're ready to take the day uh, take, take the day in charge rather than let the day happen to you. Yeah, absolutely, Sam, and I appreciate you mentioning that because the importance of setting your day out right is going to give you the groundwork and the foundation for comfort in the rest of your day. I had a great spiritual director that used to speak to me about if the rest of your day is all chaotic and you're struggling to uh, get to bed at a decent time or stick to the rest of your rule of praying here and praying there and stuff like that, the one thing we want uh, we want to never let go of is that morning prayer and that morning waking up at a certain time. But Sam's actually taking it to a step further, and it's waking up before your family wakes up. So for those of you who uh, don't live by the um, um, axiom early to bed, early to rise, uh, it, is some, it is an ascetical practice that you can work towards. All right, so when talking about asceticism, uh, I have a very filled history of, of ascetical practices, <laughs> most self-inflicted without appropriate spiritual direction. Sam, I remember when I first started uh, fasting, I was in college, and I knew that every saint fasted, or at least that's what I um, had learned and interpreted and in my classes, and so I said I was going to start fasting. I know mm -hmm. Jesus told us to fast, but I didn't know why. I never went into the why. So I started fasting, and I started doing seven crackers before the sun uh, was up, and then I would do seven crackers when the sun went down. I thought seven was a spiritual <laughs> number, and so I was going to stick with that. And I did that once or twice a week for about two years, uh, never with an intention, really kind of with a self-mastery, which I know while is beneficial, it really is a lesser form of, of fasting. And I would say that that was the beginning for me, was just a lot of confusion, uh, but a lot of pick myself up by my bootstraps, and I was going to get that fasting done my way, and uh, because I'm supposed to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, um, when I first converted to Catholicism, I got really into Franciscan spirituality yeah. for a while, and I thought I was going to live like St. Francis did, you know. So I actually found um, uh, St. Francis' original rule from, I think it was like year 12, 21, or something like that, and I was going to live like that. So I got rid of all my brightly colored clothes, I got rid of all the stripes, you know, and the, the patterns and the socks, and, you know, was fasting multiple times a week and all this. And I almost drove myself to the brink of, um, you know, exhaustion or breakdown, you know, just trying to live this rigorous, rigorous rule of life. Yeah. Um, and I think my intention, in, in a sense, was was right. I was yeah. trying to live um, radically. Um, and yet it ended up uh, kind of bringing harm in a sense of, you know, my wife says, well, I, you know, I made roast beef for dinner. And I yeah. said, oh, sorry, honey, I can't have that. I'm, you know, I'm fasting from meat today. Yeah. Um, and she's like, what? You know, <laughs> it didn't go over so well. So yeah. let's talk about that. You know, um, the, the balance there yeah. and um, finding that healthy uh, asceticism that isn't just punishing ourselves for punishment's sake, 
but that actually is helping us grow in virtue and holiness um, and finding that uh, healthy That's balance. right, and I agree. And before we jump in there, I think we both understand in Scripture that Christ uh, calls us to fasting um, when when the bridegroom is gone. He also speaks about fasting. Uh, he himself practiced fasting for, mm-hmm. for 40 days, uh, giving us that example. Um but asceticism is a little bit greater than fasting. I know that uh, in many different uh, church writings, we see uh, sometimes fasting and discipline used synonymous with um, uh, asceticism. But uh, I liked what you uh, mentioned in different articles and in the past about asceticism and what actually is asceticism, especially for our viewers who aren't aware of exactly what asceticism is and what it even um, by definition, you know, maintains. Yeah. So when we talk about asceticism, I think it's really something that we struggle to see as modern individuals in a spiritual context. Now you talk about asceticism for the sake of getting a lean, trim body. Yeah, right. Well, people are all about that. Intermittent fasting. Yeah. got that. (laughs) Um, And, you know, intermittent fasting is all the rage now. You know, people are doing water fast for days on end. It's very popular right now, yeah. but it, it's all about the health of the physical body, right. which there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's very admirable, and it's something that I think you and I both do yeah. occasionally to improve our own health. That's right. Um, but really what we're talking about when we talk about asceticism is spiritual training of the soul. Yeah. It's about putting off these things that can often, they're not wrong in and of themselves, like eating meat is not wrong. Yeah. I love a good steak. That's right. Um, But asceticism is about putting off these things that are lesser goods in order to pursue a higher good. Yeah. So when you look at the lives of the saints, what they'd often do is say, you know, marriage is a good thing. Yeah. But I'm going to sacrifice, you know, um, emotional, physical intimacy uh, in order to pursue a life of prayer and solitude. Um, and there are other examples of that where they would give up, you know, they would fast on in bread and water for days on end yeah. or um, maybe not even eat anything for days on yeah. end. But the point was not that there was anything wrong with eating, but setting aside these things um, for a time, yeah. for a specific allotted amount of time, can strengthen the soul. Amen. It can narrow the focus of the yeah. soul and uh, remove those distractions that can so often... Um, kind of divide us uh, from being fully single-minded. That's right, yeah. So asceticism, we can say, helps us form virtue because Mm -hmm. it's a habitual practice that we Mm -hmm. uh, put forth to, um, I guess, order ourselves and our thoughts and Mm -hmm. our our lives towards the good, Mm -hmm. towards that which we understand. In a previous conversation that we've had, I know you talked about... um, abstaining or avoiding things from an intellectual standpoint as well. So physical, I think we can all understand, we fast, we um, maybe uh, don't touch our phone, we leave our phone, you know, um, in a different room or things like that. But there's also that intellectual level that asceticism helps us focus on and grow in virtue. So another aspect of, of fasting or aestheticism is kind of the penitential aspect. Yeah. So there's the, mm. first of all, there's the training in virtue, yeah. learning to sacrifice lesser goods for a higher good. Yeah. Um, but there's also the penitential aspect um, where, you know, when we sin, it sows spiritual disorder yeah. uh, in our souls. Um, and really in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like that's why we have to go to confession is because sin is not just between us and God. Yeah. It's also between us and the body of Christ. And when we receive absolution from the priest, it's also it's a way of making us not only right with God, but right with the body of the church. Amen. That we've wounded by our sins. So when we uh, as, uh, fast or, or, for, or do other forms of penitential discipline, what we're doing is kind of restoring that, um, spiritual balance that we've disrupted through our sinful actions. Um, now it's this this spiritual order I'm talking about. It's not yeah. it's not something we can see per se, but it's and sometimes it is. I mean, sometimes we do wound others by our actions, like gossip and slander and and criticism, um, and we can ruin someone's reputation with our words. Yeah. And sometimes we need to make that right. Um, but also just the sense of what good I do benefits the body of Christ. Amen. 
but what sin I do also wounds the body of Christ. So in penance, when we um, do those uh, penances that the priest gives us after Mass mm. or something that we, I mean, after confession, or something that we voluntarily take upon ourselves, we're also um, kind of restoring that balance in the body of Christ and and kind of undoing the damage that we've done, spiritually speaking, through our sins. Exactly, and I really appreciate you bringing that from uh, a singular self-focus to an external um, focus on the community. So if that's not motivation enough to at least consider this and start doing this, it's so important for us to remember that we are all members of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And when one of your members is is hurt, if you are using a hammer and you bang your finger, yeah. you know, you've got to take care of that finger. And if, um, and if we are in this, uh, uh, you know, uh, symbolism here, the finger that's been damaged and the penitential act of asceticism or going to confession uh, can help uh, bring that healing that the body of Christ is right. in need of. And, yeah. and in our world today, when so many, even baptized Christians, no longer live for Christ. They no yeah. longer live by Christian values or Christian norms because they've been inundated by the world mm-hmm. and the noise that we are all constantly fighting against. I think that's just an incredible point to make and thing for us to remember is that we are benefiting yeah. the body of Christ and yeah. by our acts. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, you know, we're kind of returning to um, the idea of what is the point of asceticism, which we struggle to see a lot of times, you know, there's also this sense in which through our, our penance, but through also through, again, this asceticism for something higher, yeah. what we're saying is what Jesus said essentially to the disciples. One time they were, you know, out and about traveling the countryside and the disciples said, well, we're, we're, you haven't eaten in days. Aren't you hungry? Jesus said, I have meat and drink that you don't know anything of, yeah. and my meat and drink is to do the will of the Father. Yeah. And so what we're doing through our penance, as well as through our voluntary asceticism, yeah. what we're doing is we're saying, God's will is the highest thing in my life. It is what sustains me, and it's what I pursue. And when I have strayed from that will of God, yeah. I want to return to it through my penance and through Agreed. showing, you know, both, you know, God and myself That's right. that his will is supreme in my life. That's right. So, yeah, I appreciate that. And I would say that another great benefit for this that we both have realized and we alluded to right in the beginning is self-mastery. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so there is that benefit. And it's not a benefit that to be ignored, right? I mm-hmm. think it's actually the beauty of asceticism is not only are we helping the member of Christ and not only are we unifying ourselves to God, but we're also growing in holiness. Yeah. We're also growing in self-mastery. Right. And I know one of the things uh, or statements that you and I try and live by is, you know, don't allow the things of this world to control you, right? It's our job to work towards allowing ourselves to um, control the things of this world so mm-hmm. that we are um, not controlled by them. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, when the church talks about concupiscence and yeah. things like that, it's talking about these passions or forces of soul within us that have sometimes competing desires. Yeah. There's, a, there's a part of us that perhaps wants to uh, sleep uh, there's another part of Amen. us that wants to say our nightly prayers. Yeah. And um, there's one part of us that wants to be a glutton and stuff our face with right. as much good tasting food as we possibly right. can. There's another part of us that knows that that's not good for us. Um, but these forces of soul can often get disordered. They're not bad, per se. Yeah. They're not wrong. That's right. But when they rule us and they overpower our reason, um, they can be incredibly destructive. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about self-mastery, it's really about uh, our our reason and our, our intellectual nature, our spiritual nature, being in charge of these lower forces of soul that, you know, themselves are not wrong, but unchecked without us guiding them and leading them kind of like horses with, with a bridle or reins, yeah. you know, they can be incredibly destructive. So what we're doing by telling these parts of us, no, yeah. I'm not going to do that, even though there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. We're telling them that we are pursuing uh, self-mastery. We are going to be in charge of our desires. 
Um, and that can be a very powerful thing. I agree. And it's not avoiding uh, God's grace or we're dependent on God's grace in all of these moments. But what we do when we practice this um, ascetical practices, whatever they might be, is saying no to a passion or desire in something is in in a small thing. Mm-hmm. So I know some examples that we'll bring up later is, um, you know, I know a cold shower or um, fasting, you know, mm-hmm. in general, is we're saying no to something in a small situation mm-hmm. so that we can say um, yes to the good when big situations come upon us exactly, and we can go down that rabbit hole really deep about, you know, the <laughs> temptations that face man and the temptations that face us and that we've experienced. And if you don't even know how to control your passions or desires in the small things, mm-hmm. you'll never, ever be able to control them when big things come upon us. And that's a great point is that when we fast or perform other ascetical disciplines, it should never just be this masochistic like yeah, you know, punishment, but it would, it's a great idea to name the virtue or the higher good mm. that you're pursuing before you fast so that you know, I'm fasting for something. Yeah. Um, rather than just punishing myself, there's a higher good that I'm pursuing, um, and that enables us to um, not just... Uh, lose the meaning of it, but also to keep for, front of mind, you know, for example, taking a cold shower. Okay. Is that just self-punishment? Yeah. Well, no. You know, sometimes you can say, well, the good that I'm pursuing here is the ability to endure discomfort, fortitude. Yeah. That's Amen. what I'm pursuing. So I'm not, I'm not just punishing myself. I'm pursuing fortitude. So name the virtue that you're pursuing when you, um, like, for example, saying no to dessert. Well, that can be just mindless self-punishment, which is kind of hard to sustain. Yeah. Or it can say, no, I'm pursuing the virtue of temperance, yeah. where I'm going to be able to say no to sweets or treats in order to develop the virtue of temperance. So asceticism for is so much more powerful than just Amen. asceticism against your body or against yourself. Um Pursue something higher. Amen. And I, I love it. And I think I'm, uh, of course, on the same page. And also, I think that's what's helpful. You you alluded, you, you just suggested it when you stated it's hard to maintain. Mm-hmm. And these sort of intentions or these mm-hmm. sort of purpose p- purposes placed behind these ascetical practices is what can help encourage us, what can help us keep on the right. St. Jerome mm-hmm. um, commented in um, protection against that sort of personal self-mastery mm-hmm. without grace or without reliance on God or an intention or a uh, virtue. Yep. And, and he argued that it can lead to um, spiritual pride. Yes. It can lead to physical pride and spiritual pride is look at me. And then when you look at the world and individuals that aren't practicing these things, Mm -hmm. you see them as lesser. You, 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 it's hard to recognize their uh, dignity and it's, and I can speak from personal experience of when I picked myself up by my own bootstraps and I was, I was, persevering, but uh, strictly of human will, right? Not of God's grace. And I was tormented, I would say, by the other members in the body of Christ Mm -hmm. that weren't doing these things. And it was because I had it all backwards. I was just doing them for the sake of doing them, doing them to be a stronger man and to be somebody that can... (laughs) I met. We mentioned at the beginning... Nobody wants to hear about your self-inflicted sufferings. <laughs> yeah. um, but that prideful aspect comes in, and we want everybody to know about our self-inflicted sufferings. It, we all have an inner Pharisee. And yeah. it's, you know, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, he, it drove Jesus you know, crazy in a yeah. sense because yeah, went, they were so prideful about it. Yeah. They wanted to fast, and so they wanted everybody to know, like, Get out the ashes in the morning, you know, cover your head in ashes, right. you know, rip your clothes, just look like a wreck. Yeah. So everybody on earth knows that you're fasting. And Jesus says, no, 
You're completely missing the point. Yeah. This is between you and God. Yeah. Wash your face, you know, anoint your head with oil, which was in their day the equivalent of brill cream, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, look presentable. Be joyful. Be That's happy. Right. Don't let anyone know that you're doing this because this is between you and God. This is a fast ultimately of the heart, not yeah. of the externals. And But we all have that inner desire to be strong, to be, you know, self-controlled in the wrong way, in the sense yeah. of, I'm doing this. Um, and rather than letting it draw us closer to God, we just become puffed up with pride. That's right. And that's that it can actually be more destructive than if you never fasted at all. Yeah. So we need to be very aware of that spiritual danger and realize that um, a fast done for the wrong reasons can actually be more harmful, harmful. than a fast not done at all. So if you're going to do it, do it with the right heart, do it with the right intention. Don't let anyone know. Yeah. If you go to someone's house and they serve something Great. that's not on your list of approved fasting items, yeah. in charity, just set it aside. That's you know, right. and before God, charity is far more important than your own self-inflicted. You know, ah, so such a great point, and and. I'd say we've uncovered layers of this onion that are many episodes to come. Uh, one of the other things that helped me, and uh, it's been suggested, is an actual prayer intention mm. for the uh, practice that you are um, embarking upon or that you are um, mm -hmm. choosing. Yeah. And I know that I had a, um, a close friend who was having a... A medical reaction to a drug that she was weaning off of and uh, almost lost her life. Wow. And for many, many years, mm -hmm. she um, has experienced the consequence of this drug um, that she was weaning off, a prescription drug. And um, to the point where uh, she described it that just every nerve in her body felt like it was on fire 24-7. And so... When I, and this is in my past, when I knew that, honestly, it made taking a cold shower so much, uh, so much easier, but also it was done for an intention. Yes. It was done, I was praying for her healing. I was mm -hmm. praying for her, um, and, um, and I don't speak that in any sort of um, pride. I speak it humbly because... I was struggling with cold showers, and I'm not suggesting you do cold showers. Uh, that is one choice that I um, took upon myself. But honestly, it was um, it was a suffering that I was able to um, partake with a prayerful intention and with a um, hope and prayer that um, it would it would have some merit before. Uh, the throne of God and in pouring forth grace upon uh, her and her family. So um, that's a little personal story, and but but the idea of having a prayerful intention mm -hmm. uh, when we uh, partake in fasting is it, yeah. I mean, we see all that all throughout Scripture. You yeah. know, many many times uh, the saints and prophets and patriarchs of Scripture would fast intensely for a specific intention. Um, I mean, it was, uh, you know, John Paul II kind yeah. of encourages us to do the same. He says, you know, prayer and sacrifice constitute the most powerful force in human history. It's a pretty bold statement. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, you look at like um, uh, the, or Hannah in the Bible. Yeah. You know, I love the story because my name is Samuel. And, yeah. you know, Samuel in the in scripture um, was prayed for by his mother. She couldn't have children. Mm -hmm. It tore her up. She was so grief stricken by that. But she decided to pray and fast um, and to show God the, the seriousness of this request, the intensity of this request. Um, and uh, God answered her prayer. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think it's our way of showing God the seriousness and the intensity of yes. our desire. Now, let's face it, you probably aren't going to fast for a disordered desire like now. I'm going to fast and pray because, Lord, I just really want a Corvette. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. no one's going to do that. Um, at least they shouldn't. That's but, right. I really um, need that bigger house because my mansion's not big enough. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, this is the idea that we really, like, we, we're showing God the intensity of our desire, yeah. that we are willing to sacrifice, even to suffer a little bit, for this intention. Yeah. Um, and that can be a very powerful thing. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and it is, we think about, 
joining ourselves in the suffering of Christ. And we think about those saints you brought up, um, a saint already, and I was thinking about uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe and, and Edith Stein and these uh, saints during, um, during the Holocaust that uh, didn't uh, have this forced upon them mm-hmm. and how they were still able to maintain their disposition, yes. their passion and their love for Christ is, is truly remarkable. But it's these little steps that they took in their yes. day-to-day life that um, that prepared them, you know? Yeah. And, and I just feel like we all have suffering in our lives. And suffering is something that our society rejects and our society doesn't want to accept. And by, without going down the road of suffering, by practicing fasting, by practicing these other self-imposed discipline, we are able to maintain a grateful heart and a joyful heart for uh, things not of this world right. and for that which is more important. Mm-hmm. And so adding that um, mm-hmm. intensity, I think. Yeah, and you look at like St. Maximilian Colby, it yeah. was those small daily sacrifices that he practiced yeah. on a regular basis that enabled him to make that greater sacrifice that he made in Auschwitz when he laid down his life for someone else. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a training in sacrifice. You know, he says, love lives on sacrifice and is nourished by giving. Without sacrifice, there is no love. And so those those small voluntary choices often enable us to endure this the asceticism that we don't choose yeah um that sick relative that sick child you know or you know the car accident or you know the things that in life that come to us without us asking for them when we've trained ourselves in sacrifice through voluntary sacrifices it strengthens our souls to be able to endure those trials in life that inevitably come to us in one form or another um that we can endure those with a with a joyful and patient and peaceful spirit because we've trained ourselves to yeah. endure difficulty. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that very much. So we've talked a lot about asceticism. We've talked about its benefits from a communal aspect, from mm-hmm. a spiritual aspect, from a self-mastery aspect, mm-hmm. and also different ways to focus our asceticism for the good and the different practices and disciplines that we choose for the good. I'd like to jump in and let's talk about different ways sure. that our yeah. society today and each and every person needs to focus on their own ascetical practices or what um, God is requiring them. And hopefully you understand that that it's good for you and that you can practice asceticism and that it is worth it. Um, however, if you don't quite understand that just yet, I would caution you on diving right into yeah. practicing asceticism. So pray about it first, right? Um, have that time uh, with God. Give yourself a week or two weeks of daily prayer where you're just focusing on uh, allowing God or Our Lady to illuminate within mm-hmm. you what sort of practice is a, is a good fit for you yeah. or something that you can do on a daily basis. And then also know your life. Know, know where you're at in life because I know that there are many times in my life when I was having, um, oh, I still do, a lot of young kids back to back that, um, and we'll get there, I want to talk about asceticism that we don't choose, um, that came out wrong. My kids are the greatest joy of my life. <laughs> kids can also be yeah. difficult. We'll just kids, admit can, that. Kids, can, uh, kids can try us for sure. And so let's talk about some different practices and different ways that we can practice asceticism. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the two two ways you already mentioned that we yeah. want to talk about this is, is the asceticism we do choose and the asceticism we don't. Yeah. So let's start with the asceticism we do choose. Yeah. The the the, the options are almost endless because let's face it, we live in a world of almost endless consumer comforts. That's right. I mean, we like you. We were talking before the show about you know Amazon's almost Today. instant shipping. <laughs> You can right. get, you know, millions of products almost instantly. instantly. We've got air conditioning in our houses. We've got air conditioning in our car. We have heat when it's cold. You know, we've got yeah. hot water on demand. You know, things that people in the past just couldn't fathom. No. We have right and left. Um, and that's wonderful in a lot of ways. But it also brings up a lot of ways yeah. to 
deny ourselves those okay. things um, in order, again, as we said earlier, to pursue a higher good. So, what are some what are some ways that you you've you've thought of? Yeah. So, I've, obviously, there's the traditional ways of fasting. There's the uh, traditional ways of uh, maybe adding more salt onto. Um, uh, uh, item of food on your your mm-hmm. plate so that it's not as enjoyable and these little self-inflicted mortifications and things like that and doing that regularly but there's also um that we brought up in the past tech fasting right mm-hmm. there's that modern way is that not only are there huge benefits to yeah. doing this um benefits uh to keep you from addiction and keep you uh focused on your attention focused on god but there is also, uh, the uh, the spiritual benefits of not um, uh, I'm sorry the the physical benefits in that discipline of hey for this evening uh, for this day I'm going to keep my cell phone right here yeah um, another one that uh, comes up to mind is um, two things you can do in the car one if you are prone to driving beyond the speed limit. You can require oh. yourself for a duration to you drive. that one for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, in myself. Uh, you know, I, I did a Lent. I had a Lent in practice where that's what I chose. I chose to drive the speed limit, and I failed a lot. Well, it's not extreme here. Let's not no. be extreme. That would be a very difficult mortification. I mean, Correct. Um, and, uh, and then I would say that um, another one is, yeah, if it's hot outside um, and you're not going to a business meeting, or you're about to go on a date with your wife and, uh, you know, you don't want to get all sweaty, you can uh, turn down the AC, you know, mm-hmm. you can um, remove and, and, and I know there's a, there's a small divide here. And I think some of our listeners might be um, picking up, you know, that there are those spiritual disciplines, um, you know, and there's uh, maybe long-term ascetical practices, but but for our purpose, it's all pointed towards the good. It's all pointed towards controlling our impulses, controlling our mm-hmm. desires and our passions. Yeah. And so there's just a couple that come to mind. Um, yeah, and if you're not if you're not pursuing the good, then you're not you're pursuing something that's not that's good. Right. That's so, not good. So make sure that you have the right intention. But another car-based yeah. one would be oh, good. Uh, don't listen to the mu- music or the there radio in the car. Just that practice of silence can be so refreshing to the soul Amen. to kind of create this zone of silence where you don't have to listen to noise constantly. Like we just think that the, the second that there's a quiet moment, we've got to fill it with something. We've got to turn on the radio. We've got to turn on, you know, some music um, or the news, which often just leads to more agitation of soul, really. Yeah. So that, that'd be a great one. Just don't be. listen to anything. That's right. Just be quiet or maybe talk to God, you know, um, as you drive along. Um, you've got a long commute. Great opportunity to practice silence. So not only are you saying no to something, you're saying yes to something positive, Yeah. Um, which is the virtue of silence. So, yeah. um, But beyond technology, you know, there's also um, the asceticism of, you know, as you mentioned, kind of our, our wife and children, our family. Yeah. Um, just the act of being fully present to them. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds simple, but a lot of guys flee from this. Mm. You see the guys that work, you know, 12 hour days. For sure. They're locked in their office somewhere. Um, sometimes that's legitimate. You just, you got to earn money. Or yeah, something. right. But a lot of times I think what men are doing is they're, they're fleeing. Avoiding. The, mm. um, uh, uh, intimacy with their families and just being fully present to your family can be an act of saying no to career advancement. It can be saying no to, you know, your hobbies or whatever you want to do individually. And it's saying yes to those that God has placed in your life and under your care um, and giving them the attention and love that they deserve. I mean, how many uh, men have been, playing on their phone while their wife is talking to them after a long day. She's pouring her That's heart right. out. The guy's like grunting, like, uh-huh. 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 No, <laughs> no, just put your phone down or a book or yeah. whatever you're doing, your magazine, and just give your wife some attention. That in itself can be an ascetical act that can be redound to the good of someone else. I completely agree, and I love that you brought that up. And, you know, Sam and I are both um, happily married, and uh, my wife is really the best thing in my life and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for all that she is mm-hmm. and all that she does for our family um, far beyond anything I can could ever do and um, but 
when she's had a day of five kids, seven and under, and you go home and she is exhausted, she is a wreck, and I am struggling with my own concupiscence and my own selfishness and my own desire to unwind, uh, that can create deep tension. And you're exactly right that taking the kids on a walk when you get Mm -hmm. home you know, um, might not be what you want to do, but might be what your wife needs. Um, and so, I mean, I guess I'm trying to be delicate on saying that when you go home, sometimes seeing your family after an extremely stressful day is not the thing you want to be doing as much as you love them. Because again, we struggle with our own selfishness. We struggle with our own concupiscence. And, and I, in this life, none of us will be void of that. And we will always have to fight against that. But that is a call to arms worth taking. And um, I completely agree with you that, uh, that you, can, you can go home with the understanding. First off, you can close your computer at a reasonable time if you are not being required right. to stay at work. Yeah. Which is, I would say, often the case. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can go home at a reasonable time you know, set an alarm for yourself um, if you are prone to to work addiction, which um, I myself um, have that tendency or um, that propensity. And you can say at five o'clock, I'm done. Work is behind me for yeah. the time being, and I'm going to focus on the needs of my family. And that can be hard. Yeah, it can. Um, it can. You know, what, what we're, we're talking about with voluntary asceticism, asceticism yes. that we choose, it's exercising the power of yes and no. Yeah. Every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to a lot of other things. Yeah. Every time you say no to one thing, you're saying yes to something else. Yeah. We do this all the time. So what we're talking about is saying yes to the right things and no to other things that, while good, may get in the way. That's right. Um, so... Nothing wrong with working. Nothing wrong with working hard. That's right. But if that's getting in the way of the time that you spend with your family, then you need to say no to that and yes to your family. So the power of yes and no can be a very powerful thing once we recognize that saying no to something is saying yes to something else and saying yes to something else is saying no to everything else. So we just need to exercise that power of free will in the right way. But that's probably enough about Voluntary asceticism. Mm. Let's talk about some of the things that we don't choose that come into our life that can still be ascetical. And I want to hear that. But before we do that, I think it's important to talk about how to practice asceticism that we do choose Mm -hmm. rightly. Okay. Because... And you've already you mentioned to it, right? Um, we we wash our face. We mm-hmm. don't let everyone know. Yeah. Oh, I'm all sweaty because I didn't have the AC on in the car because I was practicing, <laughs> you know, my self discipline. Or we don't. Um, oh, I'm starving because I haven't eaten all day because I was, you know, fasting and and patting ourselves on the back. We <laughs> because then you're you're getting your reward there, and yeah, yeah. we're not getting our reward later. And so, any other thing come to mind of, of ways to practice asceticism rightly though no, that which we choose I think you know I think we've covered that you know when we talked about you know God uh, between us and God you yeah. know and this is something that we do with humility this is something we do um, to grow in virtue recognizing that we don't have the virtue that we need right now yeah you know how how can we be proud of that when we're basically by by the act of fasting admitting that we need to grow yeah. um, I, you know, and uh, so I would just say that, yeah, I mean, we need to um, fast with the right heart. Um, yeah. In in the Old Testament, um, the Jews had gotten pretty good at fasting. Yeah. But they were doing it oftentimes for all the wrong reasons. That's right. And, you know, in the book of Isaiah and things like mm. that, Jeremiah, um, God frequently rebuked them. He yeah. said, I don't want your external fasts. I want the inward fast of the heart. That's right. Not that external fasting is wrong, but if you're doing it without a heart of penance, without a heart of love for God, true penitential, you know, uh, grief for your sins, then it's worthless. It's worthless. Um, It's nothing to God. That's right. What he wants is your heart. Yeah, it's seven crackers in the morning and seven crackers at night for no other reason than I'm supposed to be fasting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I really appreciate that, Sam, and I appreciate you letting me... um, 
uh, talk about that because I think that's really important. And kind of going back to um, when we started talking about these different types of ascetical practices that I was mentioning is doing them for the right reason. And mm-hmm. if you're not there, if you're not um, able to do them for the right reason and legalism is your only you know, motivation, while there can be room for that, we must have to be, we have to be really cautious mm-hmm. because it's not going to make us a joyful and grateful, um, you know, mm-hmm. a follower of Christ or right. example to the rest of the world. So, uh, thanks. Yeah. So let's jump in. Uh, asceticism that we do not choose. Right. And I think this is likewise equally important. And it was a good transition that very often, we suffer in, in, in life. And I, I can speak, I spoke of my friend earlier and I can speak of, um, my own personal experience, um, you know, being hospitalized for one situation or another. Mm -hmm. I, um, um, had a situation years ago where, uh, I would, uh, pass out, um, uh, because of pain on a frequent basis. And it was like that for many weeks. If I had chosen to fast and uh, take cold showers while I was experiencing that suffering, I would I would have been a miserable, unhappy person. Absolutely. So I think it's important to recognize um, when when we are dealing with suffering, and to not what's what's a good phrase, but not heap on right. penance and heap on you know suffering. Right. right. So, yeah, I mean, all the saints, I mean, every saint I've ever read, you know, Maximilian mm-hmm. Colby all the way, Alphonsus Liguori, St. Yeah, Francis de Sales, mm-hmm. and, and all the way back to the early church fathers, a lot of them say um, the very foundation of all penance or ascetical practice is accepting the will of God at every moment. Yeah. Sounds easy, right? <laughs> it can be very, very difficult um, because, let's face it, there's often things in life that irritate us, that frustrate us. Yeah. Some things that can be just a nuisance. You know, there can be a coworker that just drives us nuts. There can be somebody who cuts us off in traffic. There can be, you know, an unexpected bill that comes in the mail, um, you know, for a hospital bill. That's, that's something we're dealing with right now. Yeah. I just I just got in the mail. I just made a payment on a hospital bill, and then I got a, another bill in the mail from something else that I totally didn't expect related to the same medical treatment. And it was so frustrating. But that is something that God has sent into my life for a reason to sanctify me. I love what St. Rosemaria Escriva says, you know, when someone's annoying you, don't say that person annoys me, say that person sanctifies me. Um, (laughs) And really, that's that's really what this involuntary asceticism is all about. All the nuisances, all the annoying trials of life that we all deal with, big or small. Yeah are all opportunities for sanctification. And we can blow those opportunities by getting irritable, by getting annoyed, by getting frustrated, complaining, grumbling. Yeah. Or we can say, God has sent this into my life for a purpose. How can I use it? Um, the way someone put it once was, things don't happen to you, they yeah. happen for you. Amen. Um, and they happen for your sanctification. I think that's really great. And, and I would also like to bring up things that disrupt your asceticism, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it's it's important to realize that charity is always the better choice. Yeah. And so if we are abstaining from uh, dessert and we're at a dinner gathering mm-hmm. and the host brings us a dessert, yeah. you know, instead of pushing it away or being rude, in that moment, I would argue that God is calling calling you to charity mm-hmm. and to enjoy that dessert, not to say, but mm-hmm. there's still that friction internally that, that we have when, wait a minute, this is not what I was choosing, but that's right. perfect because it's right. not supposed to be what... Um, what you are choosing, it can be of God. And, right. and so I think that um, that is a, a real important aspect. Also, uh, charity towards others, charity towards your wife. I think many of us have, have experienced this, but I put this spiritual discipline on myself and I didn't let my wife know. Yes. And now mm-hmm. I'm not watching TV in the evenings. And my wife was, um, you know, 
uh, looking forward to that time together of mm -hmm. watching TV, right. and I failed to tell her that <laughs> I wasn't. And so then in those moments, I'd say it's best to watch TV and then have the conversation. <laughs> like, yes. hey, I would really like to take this upon myself, right? The two became one. And so for those of us who are married, uh, we have to um, have these conversations with our wives yes. um, about the practices yeah. and even have the humility to hear what our wife is saying right. in case maybe that practice isn't yeah. um, conducive to a strong marriage. Right. Um, so the whole purpose of asceticism, like you're saying, yeah. is, is is to bring our will into alignment with God's. So yeah. oftentimes in life, our will is at odds with God's. Right. So we get a cross, right? But when we bring our will into parallel with God's and yeah. we're working I want what God wants. That's right. Then we find this new inner flexibility, this inner freedom that says that while I may want to fast and be a champion ascetic, um, my wife needs this or um, yeah. someone spent a lot of time preparing this meal or this dessert or whatever. I'm going to lay aside my will that I think is even good, wanting yeah. to be practice asceticism, I'm going to lay that aside in order to pursue the higher good of charity, yeah. um, which can be very difficult for us because oftentimes we feel very attached to our spiritual practices yeah, and don't want to lay them aside. Mm. But if the whole point is to bring our will into alignment with God's, if that's the whole point of asceticism, then the best asceticism is to lay aside our will and to do what God wants in that moment, um, which, again, can be very difficult, can be very challenging. Um, but that was what God's calling us to. And I think that was a great point, you know, that that even interrupted asceticism can be an act of asceticism, asceticism. by accepting yeah. it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you you bring a really good point on on men and uh, and something about us, right? The fear of failure, the fear of um, not being in control. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so we're talking about ascetical practices, things that we are choosing, that we mm -hmm. can still control, that um, might be good in, in, in the, of themselves, but maybe not in that moment mm -hmm. um, of your life, because we absolutely need to place our trust and our, and yeah. our control on, and our confidence on God. Yes. And these are great opportunities and they do against our masculine being, uh, just really cause a lot of friction when we're not able to be in control. But at the same time, right, there's, um, uh, heresies of Donatism. There's, um, different, uh, very legalistic outlooks on, uh, do this, do that, do the other merit heaven, mm -hmm. right. right. Which yeah. is, um, not of the church teaching, but our practices can be meritorious if they are aligned yes. to what God is willing in our lives. And love is the highest law. Amen. We must always remember that. If we're fasting without love in our heart, if we're you know, fasting um, with a hard and kind of bitter spirit or a spirit of you know, uh, uh, self-aggrandizement yeah. or self-congratulation, then it's worthless in God's eyes. That's right. But even the smallest act... You know, I, I, one saint said one time, you know, even picking up a straw from the ground, uh, straw of hay, not yeah. plastic straw, <laughs> picking it up from the ground for the love of God is worth more Amen. than 40 days of fasting without, you know, uh, just bread and water. You know, yeah. th that's worth more to God. So just spending time with your child, spending time with your wife, Showing love to somebody who's a nuisance to you, yeah. um, you know, an act of kind, a kind word to a, a yeah. frazzled waitress at a restaurant. Sometimes that can be worth more in God's eyes right. than great feats of asceticism that are very impressive to the world or to other Christians. But that that God's not impressed. No, He's, He doesn't need that. So let's always remember that love is the highest law. Yeah, agreed. And so I guess the final thing that is running through my mind is practicing self-discipline and these self-imposed um, small sufferings at appropriate times in life or choosing the right practices at the right time in life. It, it might not be conducive to somebody who struggles with rheumatoid arthritis to mm -hmm. take cold showers. Yes. Right. 
And maybe that individual took cold showers for years. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I just, I'm always looking for ways of being creative. I know uh, um, an individual, a friend of mine, who is incredibly creative with with some of his uh, self disciplines or those which he uh, requires of his children, you know, in different forms of, um, yeah, just kind of uh, correcting and guiding. And incre- And I'm always fascinated by that. So I encourage our listeners and, and ourselves to, to be creative, but not think that there's one way for every season in life. And there's also not uh, one way for every single person because we all have our own sufferings. We all have our own difficulties, but we also all have our own vices that, that take hold of us and things that we can be working towards. Yes, absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. So, um, we're going to conclude yeah. with our nightcap. Our nightcap. Yes. So. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I actually brought something to the show. Before the show, we were talking about how your watch batteries died. It did. My watch battery died. Yep. Yeah. And that's very unfortunate. <laughs> but it's too bad that uh, you don't have a, an automatic watch like I do. Uh, so that's our nightcap today is actually uh, an automatic watch. Um, and I recently got this one. Uh, it's not an expensive watch, but it's a well-made watch. Oh, good. Um, and you can see here that it's got an, uh, an automatic movement, which means that every time you move your wrist, uh, or at all, this starts winding the watch. Wow. Um, and it also has what's called a power reserve. So that as I'm, I'm wearing it all day, it's generating, uh, its own internal through springs. It's really a mechanical wonder. Um, it's uh, storing power so that I can leave it overnight and in the morning it's still wound. Wow. I can put it back on and wear it throughout the day. Um, and you never need to replace a battery. Um, and as long as I take care of this watch, it will last for generations and I can actually give it to my son someday. How fun. Um, and um, it's a, a really uh, cool thing to see the, the ingenuity that people have to create things like this because there's tiny little gears in there, jewels, um, little springs. Uh, it's pretty incredible. It's like so. the Tesla of watches. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty incredible. And I'll also say I really admire the leather um, band as well because yeah, it, you feel that. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's incredibly soft. That's that's uh, actually a, an aftermarket one. It didn't come with that. I I yeah. put it on there, but it's just incredibly soft. It's it's called a NATO strap. They use them in the military. Um, so that even if the uh, little um, clip here breaks, breaks, it won't fall off wow. your wrist. So that's awesome, and yeah. I've honestly never heard of a watch like that. Yeah. So how yeah. cool is that? Yeah. So again, not a very expensive watch, but it's still one that's really well made and can last for decades. Where can somebody Google search that? What What would they search for? To... So this is called a Seiko Five. Okay. Um, S. E-I-K-O, yeah. and it's a great entry-level automatic watch, very well-made, like I said, uh, Japanese design and, and build, um, and uh, very cool. affordable. You can get them for um, either under, under $100 or you know up to $200, but they're very, um, as far as watches go, watches can be very expensive. Yes, they sure can, yeah. <laughs> um, as far as watches go, it can be uh, a great entry-level one for you. And um, I've had Apple watches and things like yeah. that in the past, there's just something magical about a mechanical watch yeah. where you can see the gears turning and things like that um, that just makes it special. Very cool. So, no, I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for uh, visiting us in this episode. And as we always are reminded, be a man, be, be a, a saint. saint. <laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs>